Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. At Leia Healthcare, we always want to give our members more. So now you get unrestricted access to a world of benefits that will help you stay healthy. From convenient video calls with a GP to get prescriptions online, to easy access to experts when you finally want to do something about your ropey knee or dodgy back. And if you do need to see someone urgently, our clinics are available for minor injuries, all without you needing to put your hand in your pocket. Let's stay on top of your health, in every way. Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Insurance provided by Ellipse Insurance Limited Trading as Leia Healthcare. Leia Healthcare Limited Trading as Leia Healthcare and Leia Life is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Unrestricted benefits are available until the end of December. Fair usage policy applies. Yes, here we go. What a guest we've got on again today. <laughs> it's the band with the biggest hands ever. They're so strong. They're not that big. They're getting bond. smaller. They're getting smaller, Simon. Very strong, though. <laughs> a handshake, man. Uh, I love a cuddle. It's, off a, them. Is that's that's that an Irish hands, <laughs> handshake. I learned that from the great Sean Fallon. He used to catch your hand always. Brilliant. Uh, as you say, Irish hands, grew up in Donegal. What was, uh, what was football like for you as a kid? Were you a goalkeeper always? No, well, I played outfield until I was about 12. Uh, and uh, I didn't... I could play, I could play, I was nippy, I could go around people. Then I got too tall, I started to grow, and I lost all my coordination. But I went into goals then, um, I went around about 12, and I had a twin brother, Dennis, of course, right. and Dennis uh, played outfield, played League of Ireland football also, Dennis. So the two of us were out in the country, so it was great to have a twin brother, you know, when you're doing that shooting stuff, you know. You go into goals for a while, then you would do a bit of shooting, and then he would go in, but he didn't like it. So I, I was the one that popped in goals most of the time. So I enjoyed it, Simon, and it was good, and... Um, the other big difference between here and, say, Donegal at that time was we played on grass. You guys played on ash here. Mm. So, and, you never, ash you and you never created goalkeepers because of it. Well, I can't say that. Alan Ruff and those guys were going around at the time. <laughs> Did you play Gaelic? Quite a lot I played of the Gaelic. Boys, uh, that toughened you up as well, Oh, right? tough, as, tough as nails. I'll tell you, I played Gaelic football, played the uh, corner forward, then played midfield, didn't play in goals. Right. Um, and that really toughened me right up. I played all, all levels from my county before I went away at 17. Wow. Mm. Uh, were you a Celtic fan growing up? Yeah, a uh, Celtic fan, a Spurs fan. When right. I, uh, you know, Why we, were, we, were, we were kind of dominated with England a little bit over there because we got BBC Northern Ireland and we got ITV, so it was all English football. But Scottish football, of course, we didn't. I didn't see Celtic play live. 
Uh, but we had all the stories of a next door neighbour worked over here, used to come back. He had a big photograph of the Lisbon Lions up in his up in his wall, and I could name every player. Uh, when I was a young boy, myself and Dennis would go over and we'd go through all the players. Uh, and from that perspective, we were really Celtic supporters from day one. But I think we were dominated with English football. So Spurs, and the reason for Spurs, come on, Is Pat Jennings. Oh, Pat Jennings. The great Pat Jennings. Was he Jennings. your hero, huh? He was my hero. Right. So that's why I, um, I followed uh, Spurs. Um, and, that, and they're in the Champions League final, you know, but... Listen, I don't know. I'm very neutral at the moment. Do you still you know? follow them? Huh? No, I wouldn't say. I probably have we soft spots somewhere in the back of my mind about them. But uh, you know, when you become a, a player with Celtic, you, Celtic dominates your life. Takes over. You, you kind of forget about the English stuff, you know. Yeah. Uh, Sean Fallon spotted you. How, how Sean, did the great Sean. Yeah, uh, the great Sean. Sean was fantastic, man. Uh, I'm, I met Sean for the first time in Dublin. Uh, we were training for uh, a youth game. And, and Sean came over to me after the training and uh, he was out training and watched me in a game and he came over and said, how are you doing, son? You know, he had that lovely uh, <laughs> uh, Sligo accent and um, asked me, would I like to come over on trial? Um, and I said, of course, because I had been over to Leicester City for about a year over and back. I was still at school and I was over and back and Leicester showed no interest in signing me at the end up, so I was desperate to to get one last chance and Sean asked me would I want to go over and trial and I said yes and he says and Sean always did things right you know the Celtic way and he said we'll be in contact with your club and right enough he contacted the club Cage Rovers was a local junior team I played with and he invited me over in 1977 long before you were oh, even born uh, I think Simon, uh -huh. so is it just you that came over yourself my mum and dad came over with me uh, we stayed up with my aunt and uncle up in Murend and Sean picked us up and dropped us off and did all that with his big car and um, going into Celtic Park was, you know, an incredible, for, for a 17-year-old it was quite incredible coming from Donegal uh, to go in there and mix in with the, at that time, I'm trying to think who was, in, who was at the club, Pat Stanton was there, wow, right. um, uh, Johnny Doyle of course was there and he, he, he was there a couple of years after I signed, uh, I'm trying to think, Roy Baines was the goalkeeper, Pudelach for the goalkeeper, so I was out training with them, uh, Jock Steen was the manager, um, so it was a kind of a unique time, Ronnie Glavin was there, Paul Wilson was there, all, and then the young guys like Tommy and Roy that I went on to play with, but going in that door for the very first time and Sean... No, typical Sean, he took me straight into the first team dress room and I had a big duffel coat on, <laughs> a hand-me-down duffel coat, I think it was, uh, and, and I went and he introduced me to all the players uh, that was in there. The did you get slaughtered for the duffel coat? I did, I got slaughtered for years afterwards for <laughs> a duffel coat, but I kind of threw it away and then I got a new coat later, my wife got me a great coat, I'll tell you a story about that later go on. Go for it, no, tell us now and you go. Oh, my wife got me this fantastic coat, lovely coat for Christmas and what do you not do, Simon, at Christmas? Bring in your, in your Christmas your new presents, gear, your new, new gear, gear you leave it out. <laughs> so I brought it in anyway. And we were actually supposed to go up to Barfield to, to, to play, uh, or to train. And uh, then there was a kind of a bit of a delay, and everybody left the dressing room, and I was kind of last out, and they said, oh, we're out on the track. And I, and I walked, I went through the tunnel, and I went out on the track, and they were all out in the tunnel, lined up, and they started cheering and clapping. And my new coat was up above the jungle on the flagpole, blowing with the hands like this here in the wind. Um, who would be, I didn't who, tell who the wife for Who would that have been that had done that? Uh, Tommy. Tommy. Tommy stole it, of course, and gave it to Hazy, you know, to stick uh -huh. up on, on the flagpole. Uh, you, you were Jockstein's last ever signing for Celtic. How I was he to play in there? 
I didn't. I didn't know Joe. I was over there and and um, on trial. And I, what I do remember about him was that they were going through a, a kind of a rough time at the time. They weren't winning a lot of games and that. And I remember going out, and I don't know what we were doing. On the, we might have been running on the track again, but Jock was in the middle of the cir- centre circle and just walking on his own, kind of up and down. I think that's where he went when he was in good form. Um, spoke to me a couple of times. And then, of course, came over to Donegal to sign me. And, you know, the incredible thing for me was that he was actually leaving two weeks later. Now, he may have got a sack because he said me, I don't know, <laughs> possibly. But I think, you know, I owe him so much because most managers, if they were leaving the club, wouldn't bother about a young kid from Donegal to go over and sign him, I'm sure. But he did. He came over. Did um, he come to your house? No, we met out in the Ballyrain Hotel, which is now the Mount Errigal in Letterkenny. Uh, got the word that Sean uh, or that, that Jock was coming over. Celtic wanted to sign me. Uh, in fact, I didn't know it was going to be Jock Celtic going to send me, and my mum and dad drove out, and we went out to Larry Kenny, and then some of the the team or the, the officials from Cage Rovers went out also, and we were sitting and waiting and waiting, and then next thing the door opened, and then walked Jock Steen, my God, and uh, Fran Fields, the chairman of Finn Harps, was with him. Now there's another story behind Fran Fields. Fran, <laughs> Fran was Fran was uh, what what. Finn Harps, he was the chairman of Finn Harps at the time, and there was always a deal to be done. Fran did it. So that was fine. I, I signed, I signed with Celtic and um, £70 a week and I got a £1,000 sign on fee and joined them then the following July. And Jock had gone, had, had left the club, and Billy McNeil took over. And then a couple of years into it, Billy came in one day and said, Oh, to, to all the lads, he said, We need to go over to, over to Bal Buffet to play Finn, Park, Finn Harps in Finn Park. And I was like, oh, what is that? He said, it was owed when Packy signed. <laughs> I had nothing to do with Van Harps. <laughs> he was a chairman. I was playing with Cage Rovers. And poor Cage Rovers, it didn't get the, he should have got the money and in Van the Harps deal. Got it. Oh, and it was credit. It was Charlie Nicholas's last game. Absolutely. Oh, I, I got so much stick at home, you know, <laughs> because I had to, well, they, they love going over to Donegal. Anybody would. What kind of guy was Jockstein to look? See, when you met him, your mum and dad, was he quite a... He was an intimidating, big man, you know what I mean? You can imagine him walking in there. and I can't remember right what he said. All I wanted to do was sign the contract, as you know. Um, and that, But he did say to me, he says, listen, he says, um, you're getting a £1,000 sign on fee and make sure you look after your mum and dad with that. <laughs> so oh, yeah. I, I, I think I gave probably most of it to my mum and dad and then I took a couple of hundred to buy a suit or something, that which I didn't coat, have. Duffel the duffel coat. coat went and the suit came <laughs> in, you know. Uh, you mentioned Tommy Burns. How good a teammate and a friend did he become over here? Uh, was he, well, he was special. He was special because, um, you know, he lived beside me uh, down the road just. Um, and from day one, I think we became good friends. Uh, he brought me into the house to Rosemary the first time I was even, I moved into the house right beside him. So he brought me in. Um, we grew up together um, and uh, just made me feel at home. Uh, and we had a great time together, myself and him. He used to, we used to drive in together. We used to pick Frank McGarvey up on the way, by the way. What a uh, uh, that was a threesome in the car. <laughs> and we're always kind of on the last minute, you know, and Frank mm-hmm. wasn't very happy because if we were late at that time, you could find, you could find 25 right. quid. Um, it didn't happen too often, but I remember one day our, our uh, next door, my next door neighbor, Meg, she was a lovely, lovely lady actually, and she's no longer with us, uh, but she was nine months pregnant. And I remember coming out the door and Meg was coming out her door. And I says, where are you going? And she says, oh, I'm going into Rotten Row Hospital for a checkup. But she had no car. And I says, come on, jump in. So she jumped in the front of the car 
and uh, I went down, picked up Tommy, and Tommy introduced Tommy to her and Grand, and then it took off in to pick up Franklin Garvey and Menig Road. And at the top of Menig Road, you're supposed to turn right to go to Celtic Park. Well, I turned left, and Frank says, where, where are you going? And I says, I need to drop Meg. Now, Meg was in the front, nine months pregnant, <laughs> and uh, I says, I need to drop Meg in Rotten Road. She's going for a checkup. What? He says, what? Oh, for God's sake, we're going to get friendly. He says, let her go and get a bus. <laughs> <laughs> and poor Meg was like that. But I didn't. I dropped her off in Rotten Row. And Frank, unfortunately, we got fined that day, I think. Where was your dad, Frank, Frank McAvenny? Sorry? Where was the dad, Frank McAvenny? Frank McAvenny? No, <laughs> you know, your dad, no. No, 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 no. Frankie boy. Frankie boy. Because uh, I've heard Tommy's wife tell a story that when he was going to holiday and I've had a passport. And she says, I'll just use passport. Uh, no, just, it wasn't a passport, it was a credit card. Oh, credit card. Was <laughs> it right? was a credit card, yeah. He just used Paggy's credit card. Was he daft card. or uh, really? Ah, he, he had, Tommy was fun, you know. I, I don't think Tommy would have... Uh, he wasn't a man around the house anyway. He yeah. wouldn't have been able to change a, so did a you light bulb. Uh, no, I didn't do it. I think Rosemary did all the work around the house. <laughs> uh, and that. But he was daft and, and we, had, we had a great time. We had great sing songs and all of that kind of stuff. The stuff that normal people have, we had it. And we had a great group out there. There was Roddy McDonald, there was myself, there was Tommy. Um, and then, of course, the lads would all sort of congregate our houses, you know, and uh, we'd have sing songs at night. And I remember a fantastic um, uh, fancy dress party we had at Christmas. And there's some great photographs in the house. Danny McGrain's dressed up. I don't know what Danny was. Was he dressed up as a woman or something? I'm not too sure. <laughs> but we were all dressed up. Davy Proven was there. Oh, it was a fantastic night. And, um, and, and Tommy loved to sing song, as you know. Mm, great, uh, you know, time, just there was a, always a fight between himself and Charlie to see who was going to sing first. You yeah, know, who was better, Charlie you know. Nicholas or Tommy? Ah, Tommy was much, much better. Than <laughs> uh, another player by the team at that time was Paul McStay. Yeah. Uh, could you tell straight away how good he was? Yeah, I think so. Um, he was young when he came into the team. I think he, he, he was an exceptional player. Played in the middle of the pitch. Could, I'll tell you what, to, what Paul had. He had the ability to take the ball when he was marked. People said, pass the ball into Paul. You know that, that way that you have somebody sort of Kind of either on your left or your right behind. Paul knew exactly where they were without even noticing. And he had a lovely little thing that he used to do, um, um, a training exercise. And you might have done it yourself when you were, you were playing. Um, he would get a circle of the young boys and he would get different balls and he would play balls into him and he would play it off first time or he'd let it, you know, take a touch and then run through it and then play it off. And then he would put somebody in to mark him. And he would go short and whatever side the guy was on, he'd let it run out the other side. And that, and that was his little exit. I remember him doing it a lot with Brent Scott when he was maybe an injury or that. Right. And I think that's what, that's what sort of all, obviously learned him and, and made, him, made him one of the best midfield players probably in Scotland, if not in, in England at, at that particular time. Would he have been the best you played with, certainly? Yeah, well, Danny, Danny was a great player. Oh, what, Danny was, what Danny had was ability to take the ball off you. And, and, and passed the ball 30, 40 yards straight to a player. He had a great, he had a great ability with Charlie Nicholas uh, when Charlie played as a young boy. And he had this telepathic sort of understanding. You know, if Charlie would come in on the inside, he would play the ball down the side for Charlie. And that's where Charlie wanted. Or if mm -hmm. Charlie went wide, he would play it on the inside of him. And, and they had that thing going. Uh, f fantastic, um, fantastic man, fantastic guy to be around when we were young, you know, because he, he just... He encouraged you and, and, and he made things happen, Danny, you know, for you, you know. So you'd be being a young goalie, who would be the one that would be shouting at you all the time? Roy Aitken? No, Roy, Roy was scared of me. <laughs> no chance. I was, I was a shouter. I was a well, guy, yeah, no, uh, I was a shouter, you know. Who would have been scared? I wouldn't be scared of any of them. No. But I, I had to stand up for myself. Goalkeepers had to stand up for themselves in those days, you know. I remember Billy, Billy obviously taking over and 
There was Tommy McAdam, there was Roddy McDonald, there was Shuggie Valson, there was Roy Aiken, there was Tom McAdam, there was Billy himself, and we used to play these f uh, mad mentals, we called them 40 aside, whatever it was, or, <laughs> and it was mad. But all, all he did was pump balls in the top of me. And because I was young and he wanted to harden me up, he just about five or six of them used to come in and absolutely smash. hammer me, smash me, smash <laughs> me. And that was a training. Then, you know, and then we used to play our little five aside stuff, you know. But Danny, going back to Danny, you know, I remember playing in the charity game a number of years ago, I don't know, many years ago now, probably 10 years ago, when there was 50,000, we played Manchester United at, at Celtic I remember Park. It, it was a magnificent day and and, that, and Danny, you know Danny's, I don't know what age Danny is now, it's 10, years ago, he's probably 90, uh, uh, 90 yeah. <laughs> but he was he was there and he says he says to me, and he, and he stripped, and I said, Danny, you're not playing, are you? And he says, oh yeah, good, but, but don't give me the ball. Don't give me the ball, <laughs> you know, don't give me the ball. I'll just go and tap it. So half time he comes on, and the first thing he says, give me the bloody ball. <laughs> and I had to throw it out to him and he took it and he passed it, you know what I mean? And that was Danny, he demanded of you. He demanded he, you to play. He was your reserve team assistant manager mm. when I was younger. All right, would, okay. He would join in as well. Ah, he I would never give the ball. He would genuinely try and you? tackle him and he would do you. And he would, couldn't get the ball from <laughs> Over it. Over the top, Danny. Would, would he have been world class, Danny? Uh, Danny was. Danny was. Danny, when he was in his, in his heyday, you know, before he probably got the injuries and that, he was probably up there with the best in the world. There's no doubt about it. I remember wow. watching him as a young boy in, when, in the World Cup in 74 and that, you know, and he was magnificent. Was he sarcastic about it? Aye, like all, all players are sarcastic. Uh -huh. All the top players are sarcastic. <laughs> were you sarcastic? You have no. to, you have to, yeah, no, I was a quiet <laughs> one. You have to live in that dressing room. You go down to Liverpool, the Kenny Deglicious and that, my God, Slaughter. the one-liners, absolutely slurry. But you have to handle that and you've got to get on with it and give it back if you can. Because uh, he always used to tell us he was in Pelly's best of 11, wasn't he? <laughs> Danny, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did, he, did he tell you that, Yo, did he? But he day, was coaching Every you. day, every day. Uh, right, Billy McNeil took over, as you said. How important was he in giving you confidence to go and be the number one? Well, just pick him in the first place, you know. Do you remember uh, your debut? Uh, I do. Yeah, St. Patrick's Day, 1979. Um, I think it might have been a Tuesday. And the crowd, believe it or not, were only about 17,000. There was Rubbish. snow around the pitch. It took the snow off the pitch. Um, and, I, and he told me, I think on, the f on uh, a couple of days beforehand, maybe a day beforehand, and there was a postal and telecommunication strike on, so I couldn't even let my parents know. Oh, there was no didn't. mobile phones those days. No, so you had to either write the letter or you, you did the old phone at home. Remember the one that you wound up and all that? Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and Well, that was the ones in Donegal. The ones here was you had to do your finger, yeah, you know? Yeah, I remember that. I remember going over to Leicester City, actually. How, how, when you think back, how... how, how Foolish we were, but we were quick learners. I remember going over to Leicester City and we didn't have that sort of phone, that mobile phone that, or that phone that went round in a circle. It was the one you wound up or the ones that you put the money in. You don't remember no, all this. this is all above This is all above, way above you. Um, but the guys listening, and the old guys will maybe, maybe remember this, but I went out to use the phone and there was this sort of ring one where you, where you did this here. And I looked at it for a while and I said, oh, Jesus. And then, because I had a phone home to my dad, uh, at a certain time, and then I went like this here. No, it wasn't working. So I went into the landlady, and I told her, listen, I don't think your phone's working, and I need a phone home. Can you come out and help me? So she came out, and she went the opposite way. <laughs> <laughs> you went the opposite way, and then let it go, and it was away. Not the brightest. Oh, not the brightest. I, I, learned, I learned very quickly, you know. <laughs> uh, first league winners made on 1981, age of 21. Was it, yeah. was it quite surreal? Yeah, well, it was it. We were in the team then, you know, and it, it was uh, getting into that team was difficult. We had a really, you know, when you think back, in the team was a fantastic team: Murdo McLeod, David Proven, Tommy Burns, Roy Aiken, Danny, Bobby Lennox, wow. um, and then Charlie was breaking through. Uh, myself, 
Um, so there was a really, really good team, and Peter Lashford was the other goalkeeper. Um, so I, I got in because he got injured initially and then stayed in the team. Um, and to win one first league medal, I think then you feel you've arrived. Pat, uh -huh. You've sort of arrived at Celtic. You know, you have to win a league to be there. A cup's okay, but the league is a critical thing. You said Bobby Lennox, and I never, never knew that he played. What was he, he played like? my debut? Yeah. He scored two goals in my debut. How was he for a young player? Like, was he good? I was brilliant. Bobby's the fittest guy you've ever met in your life. Himself and Roy Aiken led the training. We came in pre-season, the two of them were f up front and they were on you go and you had to follow them and he kept pace up. Bobby was incredible. Did he talk about the Osmond Lions a lot? No, not really. We, Jimmy Johnson came in one day and, and trained with us. Absolutely, when we were young, yeah. But he chipped me in a five-a-side goal. That's all I can. That's all I can remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant! Uh, how see when you came in ahead of Peter Latchford? How was he with you? Peter was great. Peter was like a coach, you know, yeah. honestly. And I think goalkeepers get on well together anyway. Uh, there's no room for goalkeepers to be kind of uh, falling out or, or not not getting on because we have to room together. Uh, and we know that the next time he's going to be in, I've got to help him, you know. So mm -hmm. Peter was Peter was fantastic. We had Frank Connor. I don't know, do you remember uh, Frank? Frank was scary, wasn't he? Oh, it? he was scary, yeah. But Frank was brilliant for us. Right. Brilliant. And he was an ex-goalkeeper too. So Frank was the guy that stood up for you, but but really put you under pressure to perform. And we were in, I was in the reserves with Frank for about a year, a year and a half. You know? And then, then later on, when he became assistant manager and so on. So Frank if you had a fantastic. bad game, would he, would he go through you? Huh? Oh, I... Frank Personal. would tell you. Oh, I Frank uh, would tell you, you know. But he was doing it for the right reasons, you know. And sometimes maybe that's missing a little bit now. You think so? I think so. I yeah. think so. I they, think they, so. They, the characters have gone for the game. You can't shout at players now. No, no, no. It's a different game. It's a different way of dealing with, you know, players now. You have to, you have to coax them. Uh, you have to talk one to one with them. Uh, you can't dig them up. Uh, all of those things have changed. Um, but at the end of the day, it's all about getting results, whatever way. Yeah. Uh, Nineteen eighty-two, one league again, but. Achieved success in Europe. Standout performance in the Ajax game. How was that? You've been reading Johan up, haven't you? Have me, yeah. Somebody has. <laughs> Did you see the pictures? No, I've not seen the pictures, is it? No. Uh, it was a great night. It was a great night because... After or the actual game? Both. But <laughs> <laughs> they carry Big Billy to bed that night. Afterwards, I think it was... Actually, it was Peter Lashford to carry Big Billy up to bed with Frank McGarvey. And then threw him into bed because he was he was well gone and, and rightly so because he had just beaten one of the one of the top teams in Europe. And then big as Frank McGarvey was going out the door, he heard uh, Peter Latchford saying, uh, "Boss, any chances at new contract?" Well, well, I was kind of happy he was gone at that stage. <laughs> oh, brilliant! Yeah, uh, but, but Cruyff played as well. Cruyff played. Cruyff was coming down to his career, um, and he came back to help that young team. But you know the Lairbys, the Martin, or Jesper Olsons, um, Mial. They were all young kids in the team, um, and then of course, um, uh, Cruyff was the was the senior guy and came back. Graham Sinclair marked him that particular night, uh, and he was given the task of man marking him. And I'm telling you now, the ball could be two yards from Graham Sinclair, and he never touched the ball. He just ran after <laughs> after <laughs> Johan Cruyff, and that, but he came off injured near near the end, and then I think that's when we scored our goal. You know, but it was a great night. I, I played well. I played well in the game. Um, we got hammered in the first game. At Parkhead, absolutely hammer. We drew the game. I don't know how, and then we beat them out there, which was which was quite incredible. In a way, and I think it was way goals. Maybe we went through. I'm not too sure. Uh, but anyway, it was a great night. And, and is that uh, common? But then, have you had a good result? Would you all go together? Uh, we went. We used to stay over, which was a which was a different than now. And, um, and then we. I don't think we left the hotel, but we ended up in the bar as you would, and have a few drinks with the, with the, and the media. Of course, that was the other thing. The media mixed in with you. You know, and did, uh, right? so drank together. Ah, the media would have been in the hotel too, and would have a few drinks. It's the same with the Irish team. When I went away, the Irish team first 
the media was always in and around us, and we would and, and we got all well with them, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was none of them going to really stitch you up. And I think that's missing a wee bit. And in, in the modern world, there's a different, of course, technology has come in, um, but there's the relationships with the media is changed a lot. You, the game's you, gone. The yeah. game's gone. Yeah. Uh, you're, as you say, you're involved in a lot of high-profile performances. Sorry, was there a, was there ever interest in you for other teams? I don't know. There was no agents, you know, and we we didn't know. Um, I did. Uh, I think when Liam Brady took over, um, I think I did ask away. Uh, I thought of maybe it's time to move on. Why? That was '92. Well, I was at a team, and I was, you know, I was 32 years old then, uh, 31, 32 years old, and I felt I would have loved to have gone to Europe. I would have loved to go on and play in Europe. And after the World Cup in 1990, um, I think it was it, it was probably a good time to go. Um, and that, so I did kind of, but there was no agents and nobody probably, I don't know if anybody came in, I'll be honest. I right, never heard. Okay, yeah. I, 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 hope they, I hope they did. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, right, we'll skip forward to your next league win for Celtic. Like, crazy day at Love Street, 1986. Oh, that was a day. How do you remember that final day, Hearts? Uh, what I do remember is Almin Ali uh, not reporting in because he was sick. And what I do remember when we won the, won the game and we were celebrating and we all went into the dressing room, Almin Ali was sitting in the dressing room. <laughs> 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 Rambo, the Rambo was back. Oh, Alan McCoy thought it was a great story. Was he a character, Alan McNally? I was good. Yeah, Bern München, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and you go down to Sky and you're and, and you're there. You'll, you'll talk a little bit of Bern München. Uh-huh, these days of Bern München. But uh, no, that, that was an incredible day, you know. And uh, Hearts, of course, going for the league and and us. Uh, you know, we played so well in that day too. You know, some of the goals we scored was was fantastic. Mm. Um, I'm not. Seeing who scored some of the goals up front, there was a certain guy there that day. You don't want to give him any. We don't want to give him any credit no. whatsoever. You know? <laughs> uh, right, centenary season. We're Rangers spending big money. Did the team feel under pressure? Um, Just spoken about beforehand. Did we feel under pressure? I think it was a season actually, and I and I keep saying I've said it so many times. That particular season, it was about like a, a play or a, or a drama or or a, a story that had to be told, and we were just. The, the players, you know, we were just the the, the, uh, the actors, and and it was kind of almost played out. Um, I remember the start of the season, we got hammered here by Arsenal in a in a in a preseason friendly, um, but it seemed to galvanise us a little bit. And then we won so many games that year, one nil. The work rate was incredible. Um, I think it we we closed teams down, and it, that came from a little bit in the start of the season when we went out to Sweden. And Billy was called back to um, to Brian McClare's. I think it was his tribunal regarding his, his his fee. And Tommy Craig was there, and he took us through a, a couple of sessions, uh, many sessions, uh, what uh, almost shaping us out, um, pressing from the front, that type of stuff. Rogie, of course, was the was left back at the time, and I remember some sessions we did, and Rogie came off totally injured. And there was no opposition. He'd <laughs> <laughs> throw the ball out to him and then he'd take a touch and then he'd run after the ball and he would go into, oh my God, up a bar he ended up down the back, you know, down the back, uh, down, the back, the, the down back, the back uh, in the trees and that. What a bad touch. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> But we, had a great, we had a great group of guys in. That is was that what brilliant. made that team, the team spirit? Ah, absolutely. You know, McIverney coming, Joe Miller coming at the time. We had Mark McGee, Andy Walker up front, those guys. Then Tommy and, and, and Billy Stark, you know, was there. Brilliant, brilliant players. And Billy, Billy and Tommy were not the, the quickest players, but they played right and left. But the closing down that he did that year was 
incredible. And it's not about being quick, it's about using your brains, mm. getting the right position, angles, fantastic. Granty and Paul in the middle of the pitch. Um, Big Mick came up and you know strengthened us up that, that particular year at the back too. No, it was a, a great group of players. Was it hard playing under that pressure too? The centenary year having no, it No, I, I don't think so. I can't remember the pressure. I think there was always pressure with Celtic. You know what I mean? No matter, no matter what game you play, you've got to go in one of the... If it's a reserve game, you remember? You go and oh, play a reserve game, play, 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 <laughs> a, play a first team game. Go, f go down to Villa Leaven, for example, in a, in a pre-season friendly or something like that. You had to win the game. Mm. Frank Connor wouldn't let you away with anything. So we were brought up that way, mm. to handle pressure. So, no, I, I, I couldn't remember pressure. It was just the momentum of getting it going and making sure that we get over the line is the key. You spoke about him and he's a friend of the show, Frank McAvenny. How was he as a teammate? He's still mental, ah, isn't Frank's he? great. I go out and play golf a little bit with himself and Andy Walker and, and so on. And, and honestly, we go out and play golf and... Um, if we start talking about football, we've nine holes gone and he hasn't had a ball because he all he, oh, I'll tell you this one, I'll tell you this one, oh, I remember this day. And I, and I says, Frank, stop, stop, we have to win this game. If you focus. Uh, and, he's, and he's brilliant, you know, he is really. And it... Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A good guy, really, really good guy, but a funny guy, but also a fantastic player. Frank was probably, I know with Charlie Nicholas and all of Brian McClare and Alan McNally and all of those guys and Mark McGee, but Frank, I always say he was a combination of them all. He was the best player, striker I played. He could score goals, he could head the ball, he could run, he could tackle. He was an incredible, incredible guy, you know. And, and he loved the night, nightlife. Was, it, you was know? it as bad as it was made out, his night suit? Oh, well, we never seen him because he was always down London or he was up in the sky trying to find, find his way up to Sully Park. <laughs> Um, and that, but no, we had good times. The only time he, he actually, I remember us being abroad one time, we stayed overnight and we all went out we, after, after a game and Frank said, no, I'm not going out tonight. Not going out. It was Liam Brady and Joe Jordan was in charge. It must have been pre-season. He says, no, I'm not going out. I said, Frank, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm staying in. 
So we went out with a few drinks, as you, as you do if you're going out. We came back to his room. He was rooming with Charlie. So Charlie came up to our room. We started a wee sing song. Frank then jumps out of bed and he's sitting on the floor. Next thing, in comes Liam Brady. He says, hey, keep it down. Joe's not... Or, sorry, we'll show Jordan come in. He's the manager. You keep it down. So, I, okay, Joe. So he leaves and then we can continue, you know, and another wee sing song and a... Next thing, we're all fined. We're all fined the next day. And Maka was fined too. <laughs> and it was the only night he never went out. <laughs> it was the only night he never went out. So that was his big plead, but he wouldn't listen to him. <laughs> no, he wouldn't listen to him. Did listen you ever go to the London one? No. No, 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 no. I wouldn't hang around him. It was Alamy Knight and who else would have been out with him? Alamy Knight. Um, few of the other younger boys. No, I was too old for that. Uh-huh. Family man. <laughs> Family man. Absolutely. Uh, Celtic left it late in the semi-final and the final that year. See, when you're trying to get a goal later on, what's it like standing in goal? Are you, do you basically just become a fan watching the game? Uh, the semi-final, I, I remember, of course, they score, I think it was against Hearts, and, and, and they score Big McPherson, put me in the back of the definite free kick, definite free kick. To this day, it's a definite free kick. Frank said you should have been strong. Look back at the footage, it's a definite free right, kick. Okay. Don't interrupt me now, I'm telling you it was a free <laughs> kick. And, uh, but anyway, uh, and we were a goal then, then suddenly we got back and we scored, and then the, then the winner, you know, and uh, McAvenny scoring, and um, brilliant, and then the final, I missed the final. I missed the final. I was injured, which right. was uh, which is. Uh, How hard is that? Ah, uh, that was that was the worst moment of my life. I remember on the Tuesday, uh, going up to train, and I ended up getting this real. My, my calf just went into in the spasm. I was having problems with my back, for for that that particular season, and then just my calf just went absolutely solid, and I couldn't walk in it. And then I got treatment of Brent Scott, and I was getting lots of treatment uh, right up to the. I went down to Seamill, went out into the. You know, we used to train out in the back garden. Five or seven fantastic games used to be in that back garden. Oh, quality was incredible. But I went out to train and do a, a fitness test. Just couldn't do it. And uh, at that moment then, I'm there to go and tell Alvin Knight that he was playing. And um, I, I must say, because it was centenary year, because it was a double, and it was such a, an, an important game, I did have a few tears down sitting on that wall. You did get yeah, a bit emotional. Yeah, yeah, I got a wee bit emotional. Not like me, but I got a wee bit emotional that particular day. But then, of course, we went and won it. Which was fantastic, you know. Didn't get a medal, but. So, whose back garden did you play five sides in? Down in the Sea Mill. You remember Sea Mill Hydro? No. No, you see, you wouldn't have got there either. You just moved on to big uh-huh, time stuff. Bit, we, had a, we went down to Sea Mill, sea mill Hydro, and uh, that's where we trained out in the back garden. So, anybody goes to Sea Mill Hydro, go out the back. There's two, um, almost, I would say, it's probably about 50 by 40, mm. two pieces. And we played on, on there, and there was unbelievable games there. The loser always went to sea, by the way, afterwards. Right. And that, yeah, the losing team. Uh, and that, but they were brilliant, brilliant games. Who was the best striker in training, for, as in shooting, facing? Mm, that's a good question. I'd... Thanks very much, Pat. That's not even on the sheet. I've just came know, up with That's a saying. really good question. Um, <laughs> It's hard to know. I'll tell you who used to really, well, I'm, I'm saying he used to annoy me, it was Mo Johnson. Mo Johnson was a great finisher. But I remember then after about six months, he used to start, we, we used to play out behind the goal at Celtic Park and Davey Hay was the manager and we had these five-a-side goals and all Mo did was sort of lean on the goals and the play would go on and then suddenly they would break up the other end and he would run out and he would take the ball and he would score. <laughs> and he was always standing behind me. And a five-a-side game. How can you stand behind somebody in a five-a-side game? And he'd get away with that. He'd get away with it. David, he let him away with it. He was... was he the golden boy? Yeah, if I knew what was going to happen in the future, I might have given him a wee... <laughs> a wee one. Brilliant. Uh, would the centenary year be the highlight of your set of career? Um, I think so, to a point, yeah. It was, it was, a, it was a year that was a, we talk about it now and everybody talks about it. It was a great team. 
you know, you had Chris Morris and Rogie in the fullback positions, bombing forward, fit as a fiddle, Roy and, and Mick. Um, and I talked about the team before. So it was a really good team, really good bond. Uh, and to win it that year was, to win the double that year was quite incredible. So I think it, it probably was. Uh, we Then the 90s, we don't talk about. Don't even go there. <laughs> uh-huh. The 90s. Well, we won, we, won, we won the cup twice in the 90s, so that's okay. See what you're saying about Mick and Roy? You, was there always a good relationship between you and your two centre halves? Or was there a lot of arguments going on? I got on well with Mick, um, to a point, right? right? But Mick was a shouter and a talker and an organiser. Roy was less less of a shouter, but really quick. Um, and I used to put them under a pressure, you know, a bit of pressure and uh, sort them out, you know. Don't let them away with anything. Keep yeah, them there. Them Keep the time, them there. Yeah. Absolutely. You know. uh, right, Euro, 90, uh, Euro 88, sorry. Uh, Jack Charlton, how was he? Character, ah, Jack right? was brilliant. Jack was was a fantastic leader, fantastic man. Good for me. I, I had that sort of kind of similar maybe to Big Billy relationship. Mm-hmm. As a goalkeeper, you know, you're always going to get criticised by the manager come in if you lose a goal or whatever, you know. And and myself and Jack probably had that type of relationship also, you know. But uh, he, he what, what he did what he did for me was he gave me responsibility. I never Billy would give you responsibility to a point, but he said, Jack says to me one day, he says, hey, you, you, he says, you're in charge of everything defensively, everything defensively. And I was 26 when he, when he took over, so I was about 28. My, n- nobody ever said that to me before. So I had to go then and work out all the set pieces, defensive set pieces. Jerry Payton was the other goalkeeper we roomed together. So we sat down and then we had to go and speak to Mick, Mick McCarthy, Kevin Bourne, these guys, and almost go and organise them all. We, we did everything defensively. That's Not strange, the coach. I've no, never heard that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what it did for did me like was. That, eh? Oh, I loved it because I just grew with responsibility and all that. But what he did say to me, he says, he says if you get it wrong, you're answerable to me. <laughs> <laughs> so I couldn't get it wrong. Was he a bit know? unorthodox in like, his preparation and stuff like that as well, Jack? Yeah, Jack was, you know. And uh, he, uh, he didn't like five aside football. Really? Because, yeah, he didn't like it because he, he felt as if you played little five-a-side football and then little boxes, you know, little boxes yeah. and you play in just one touch. He said, we'll be doing that in the game, so he didn't want that. How did he just want it launched? <laughs> well, he wanted it launched to a point, but he was very clever. He was a very clever manager. He knew exactly how the opposition was going to play. He gave us little tips. I remember him talking to John Aldridge, for example, and saying, we played ter- uh, Terry Butcher was with England and he was a captain, of course, Rangers at the time. And he said about Terry Butcher, he says, listen, he says, Terry Butcher, he says, is all left-sided. And he says, and he'll knock the ball with the outside of his left foot and touch it and then go and play a ball up the line. He says, as soon as he lifts his left foot to do that, you run straight at him. I will see how good a player he is then, he says. <laughs> and that kind of gives something in John's mind yeah. uh, just to, 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 to work on. Um, what was the other player that played with Forrest? Um, Oh, I'm trying to think of the guy who played alongside him. He very, very quick. Des Walker. Des Walker, yeah. Played very, he was very, very quick. And he says to him, he says, what he does, he says, he says, he'll run, watch you, and just as you commit to the ball, he says, he'll pick up speed, you're out of the game, and then he'll turn away, and then he looks like a good player. And he says, slow down, as you go commit to the ball, you slow down, let him get the ball, and then put pressure on him. And then we'll see how good a player he is. <laughs> Simple things. Uh, we, you think about nuggets, uh-huh. we nuggets, fantastic. How was he? How was he when you beat England one nil in the group? Ah, he, he loved it. And did he love you? Cause you were man the match. Ah, no, he didn't actually. What you still got me, a bit? Oh, he gave me so much stick in that game. 
He says, I, was, I should have been off my line. He should have been off my line, <laughs> he says. Uh, and he was always scared of Mick and Kevin because the two of them was pretty slow, remember, on the turn. And he says, any ball over the top, that's your ball. And uh, you, if you remember, I think it was uh, Glenn Hoddle wasn't playing. And he came on in the second half and he was clipping balls over Mick's shoulder for for Lineker to run onto, right. and I had a good game because I saved a lot of shots. But he wanted me to be out picking up oh, yeah. those balls, and he, and I couldn't. So we had this kind of a ongoing argument, and then after in the press conference after the game, he absolutely slaughtered me for not coming off my line, and then he took me out onto the pitch. Um, I think it was a couple of days later or something, and um, he says, "I want you standing. You're a little arc outside the 18." Yeah. He says, "I want you standing out there." I says. Jack, that's too far off. I'm going to. He says, "That's where I want you standing." And he says, "Okay, I'll show you." And he put all the players in the halfway line with a ball each. Now, no pressure on the players. Every player, and he says, "Try and chip him." <laughs> so, <laughs> so he started kicking these balls over my head, and I'm running back like an idiot, uh, trying to trying to to get these balls and one or two in the net and the rest. And he says, "Look, then them, they've gone wide." I said, "Hold on a second. Try it again. So all the players picked up a ball again. Next thing, there was about 10 balls in the back. And they said, oh, all right, you make up your own mind. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, you conceded late against eventual winners Holland. And uh, miss out on a semi-final place. Yeah. Do you still look back and think what oh, That was a great team, the Dutch team too. They went on to win it. Uh, USSR at the time. Not, you know, which was a, the co combination of all those uh, Eastern Bloc states. They were all the USSR at the time. Great team. I can still remember that Kuznetsov played, Mikhailachenko played, Belenov played, Protasov played, Dasiev and goals. I can still name, name mm. the team all these years later. Almost a really good team. And we drew with them. We drew, um, but we got beat 1-0 against Holland, the eventual one. And they had a fantastic team also. Rijkaard, Koeman, you wow. know, um, you know, Hulet, Van Basten, you know. Um, what do you call him? Played, uh, what was the player to play with Aberdeen? Um, Stuart McKimmy. No, it's <laughs> No, one of the Dutch players who actually played that day, uh, or I think it was maybe 1990 with the Dutch team too. Really good team. Uh, Yale House, yeah. Go. He played, I think it was 1990. He didn't play in 88, but he played in 1990. But it's amazing. An Aberdeen player uh -huh. playing with that fantastic Dutch team when wow. you think back on it. But, but no, listen, they were a great team, but the, the goal should have been disallowed. I look back at the goal now. At that time, you were offside, you were offside. It wasn't a case you were in second phase yeah, or you were right. running out and the ball hit the ground, spun in, but uh, Van Basten, I think, was offside. Van Basten. Right. I tell you, yeah. 90, uh, Ireland qualifies for their first World Cup. Yeah. How proud are you to be going as, as the number one? Yeah, yeah, that was that was huge first because we had the taste of 88. Beating England, of course, was, was enormous. And then qualifying for the World Cup and going to 1990, the Irish team, you know, an Irish team and getting to the quarterfinal. We were down in Sicily for the, for the Sardinian Sicily for the start of it. Oh, lovely. Took uh, Scotland's place up in uh, Rapallo in the, in the hotel there. I'm trying to think of the name of the hotel, I can't remember. But Premier Scotland Island. Scotland were papped home right. and we took, took their place in that hotel. Can I believe it? That's yeah, you know what I mean? We drew with them in a, in a wet, cold day down Sardinia and then we drew, with, we drew all the games. We drew with uh, uh, Egypt um, and then we drew with Holland and then we went up. And we drew with Romania, but beat them at penalties. Yeah. And then got beaten in the quarterfinal against the great Italian team, the fantastic Italian team. But the, the great story in, in, in that particular one is the one where our Tisha, our, our, our Prime Minister, who wasn't really into football, 
Um, and because we had got to the quarter final, uh, but he had to go to Rome to watch us play. And the game was over. We got beat 1 0 against Scalacci. And, um, you know, I mean, and two days before that, we, we went to see the Pope. Um, and uh, because I had saved the penalty, um, we had a private audience with the Pope in front of 2,000 people. And I, I was brought up and I was sort of talked to the Pope and shook his hand and did what I had to do. And, and then he started to talk to me because he was a goalkeeper too when he was young. No way. He, in Poland. So he said, I'm the portier. And I said, yes, yes. And then he said, I was a goalkeeper. And I knew it. Congratulations and so on. So all the cameras were going and photographs. And it was all over the news and everything out there. So then two days we, we got beat against... Uh, uh, at Lane. The Tisha was there anyway, the Tisha, and he was going round and that. And uh, um, he wanted Jack Charlton to go round the, the stadium with him uh, and that. And then sort of uh, the doors burst open and uh, and he comes anyway. And our physio says, Oh, the Tisha's here, the Tisha's here. And Andy Townsend and uh, Andy, um, Tony Cascoon was sitting beside each other and he goes into this big speech, the Tisha. Gentlemen, you've done the country proud. You've done me proud. You've done your families proud. And Andy says to, to Cassidy, who's that geezer? <laughs> <laughs> and and I, think, I, think, I think Tony says, I don't know, but I think he owns a tea shop. <laughs> oh, that's tremendous. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But later on then, we're, we're waiting to get, uh, get ourselves organised and Jack's in the, in, the, in the dress room and he's over talking to Andy Turns and he's, smoking a cigarette and just about an hour after we finished and I said, better go in and get showered and that and we were all a bit disappointed and I got up and I went by and the next thing out of the corner is my Jack says, the Pope would have saved that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm Jack, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, Right, we're just going to go back to Celtic quickly. Uh, Lou McCarry and Liam Brady. Now, Frank McAvenny did not have nice things to say about Lou McCarry. Was that, was that the same feeling throughout the squad? I think so. I think so. To our point, you know, to our point, everybody had their own own um, you know, things with, with Lou McCarry. Obviously, Mackie had him down at West Ham. Uh, we had him up here. Uh, and he was an unorthodox. It wasn't what we were used to. You know, we came into trade, we worked hard. Uh, we were what, uh, you know, Billy McNeil or, you know, Davy Hay and um, they were Celtic people. And, 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 and we, 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 we trained really hard. We, we, everything was perfect. Now, uh, Lou's stuff was completely off the wall. I must admit it was right. completely different, and it didn't suit us. I didn't didn't think it suited any of us. So, to be honest, I think that's probably why. Uh, and he probably had to change things, and and he had to bring new players in. The players maybe he brought in weren't good enough either, you know. So that didn't help. If you bring in new players into a group and and they're not as good as the players that were already there, then then you know, there's trouble. So so from that perspective, yeah. So. Uh, you want me to condemn Lou McCarry? <laughs> no, Frank's already done that. He's he done that. But he was just, he was different. Uh, he was different. How were you when you, you were told by him that you were, you were leaving Celtic? Well, I kind of knew that probably that, that day was going to come and I myself resigned to it. The, the fact that he didn't tell me until I got off the bus in the parkhead after being up in Dundee United and that was it. And I, I you know, I was gone. I don't think that was the right way to do it. Um, and uh, Shea Given was also freed that particular year too, and he was only a kid, and he went on to be, a, you know, come an unbelievable mm -hmm. goalkeeper. Um, so it was, it was just a way he went about doing it, you know. Um, you don't come off a bus at Celtic Park after a game, travel down, and be told that's you, you're freed, and then you're gone, you know. Mm -hmm. you Although wanna, you said you, you knew well, it was you know? coming, but you're still devastated. 
Uh, I think I think you're there 17 years of your life. You're kind of you're devastated, of course, because it's a way of life. You know, it's, you get up in the morning, you automatically get the kids ready, you drop them off for school, you drive into Celtic Park, you, you do your training, and then suddenly it's finished. Mm. What do I do now? You know, um, and um, life life takes a different turn. You know, and you've got to get on with it. And you signed for your pal Tommy Burns that come on it. I didn't sign, but I nearly signed. Signed? Uh, did you did you did you was to see what was going to come that summer? Um, I went down and spoke to Tommy and Starkey and, and, and the chairman, uh, Bob Fleeting at the time, and we'd agreed a deal, and uh, everything was fine. And I was looking forward to it, actually, because I was going back, obviously, to work with Tommy and Billy. Uh, and I was going down kind of as a, as, as a goalkeeper, but also do a little bit of coaching. I had kind of asked Tommy about taking Shea down there also, which would be incredible. If oh, we did could, you? If we, uh, yeah, Shea, yeah, if we could get him at that particular time. Um, and I think we probably could have because he, he, he was down at Blackburn. He hadn't signed with Blackburn at that point in time and we could have got him. Then I went to the World Cup on the middle of the World Cup in 1994 and then I got a phone call um, in the middle of the World Cup from Tommy to say that he was going back to Celtic Park. And the question was, would I come back? And I couldn't probably say no. And in fact, maybe, maybe now when I look back on it, in one way I wish I didn't go back because um, I was looking forward to going to Kilmarnock just to network new people, meet new change, guys, a complete change. And I was 34 years old at the time. But I was going back to Selly Park also to be a goalkeeper and to be a coach. So then my coaching sort of career started from that point. And I'm still involved in football, so all these years later. So How, how delighted were you for Tommy? Can you remember the phone call? Ah, was, he, was he over the moon? Yeah, he was, he, was, he was over the moon. I think he was apprehensive also because he was young. He started, Tommy was fairly young. And he'd done so well at Kilmarnock and you know what happened afterwards with that, with the whole kind of, I think there was a tribunal and all that around it, you know, so, and then himself and Starkey. But I suppose in one way I was going to work with guys who I knew, Tommy and Billy. That's why I was going to Kilmarnock in the first place. Um, and um, I knew how passionate they were about the game. I knew that, that they thought about the game quite differently um, and that Tommy was really eager to make his mark. Um, Difficult with Fergus McCann, of course, mm. uh, during that particular period. Uh, and that and that was always something that was sort of probably... Uh, to this day, probably I wish Tommy had to get, when he was alive, got a second chance at it. And yeah. I think he might have, be, might have got that chance if he didn't take, take on well. Uh, and I think he would have been a great manager later on. He was still young at that particular time. Mm. Uh, as you say, you got into the coach and you went to the World Cup in 2002 and you caused the whole ruckus for <laughs> 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 it's a It's a... It's a long story, actually, you know, and it's a fortunate story because, you know, the World Cup at that particular time was a whole group of new fans, young kids, you know, who had never witnessed 88 or, or 94, yeah. and they were desperate for a, for a World Cup. But, right, there was something up with Roy. Even from the day we left Dublin, uh, Roy wasn't, wasn't himself. There was definitely something up. Um, he won't tell you what it was. Paul Pogba, probably. Uh, yeah, he does, yeah. But, you know, on, on the day, what, what happened was that uh, we were training out in Saipan. We had, unfortunately, all of the gear that, that was coming with DHL went, got caught in, I think it was in, um, in America, actually. It didn't get to Saipan in time, but we had taken stuff with us. And that was the first problem because Roy kind of blew up about that, you know. Um, where's all the gear and all that, you know. But these things happen. These things happen. But we were down in Saipan, and then the pitch was not good. It wasn't a good. You can imagine out an island out in Saipan. So they blew up about that also. And Mick had a talk about about not going home and so on. And then um, we we were going down to do a training session, and I brought the goalkeepers down. Um, 
Dean Kelly, Alan, Alan Kelly, Kelly and Shay. And I was doing a half an hour with them and it was boiling hot, you can imagine, 30 degrees. Um, and we worked really hard for because I wanted to keep the goalkeepers going, uh, taking over. And then the team came down and then they sort of did a shooting, stood into a shooting session that Ian Evans was doing. Uh, and the goalkeepers again worked for another sort of 30 minutes and on that really hard. And at the end of it, Alan Kelly said to me, listen, listen, he says, we're not... Uh, we don't want to play in the five, because Mick always played a bit of a five-a-side at the end. And I said, no problem, I'll have with Mick. So Mick says, yeah, no problem, we'll play with the last man in, that type of stuff. And Roy blew up a bit of He says, where's the goalkeepers? Where's the goalkeepers? And uh, I said, no, they're tired, Roy. I said, oh, that's what they should be. You know, so he was, he was in a bad form. So anyway, game finished, and we were down in the 10th area, and then comes Roy. And... Um, the unfortunate bit about it was that he he wasn't he, he says go start on to me about the goalkeepers again. I says right leave it. And he had a bottle of water in his hand, and he went to finish and he threw the bottle away like this here. But but there was one photographer there, one photographer, and um, uh, he took a snap and it looked as if he was throwing a bottle at me. Right. The way the, the camera caught it, so that was fine. Um, he, he went away then. I think Alan Kelly had a few words with him there, <laughs> and then we went up and there was a press conference on. And there was a guy, one of the Sky guys was there. Uh, what's the name of the guy? The, yeah, lovely lad he was. And he went up and asked our uh, press guy, who's an older man, he says, uh, was there a bit of a rumpus down, down in the training with Packy and Roy? And he said, oh, Jesus, yeah. Oh, there was. Oh, oh they, were, they, were, they were at it. They were at it, the two of them. Oh, my God. So that was a story. And next thing, out of nothing, the story broke that, we had fallen out and that Roy was coming home and that. And then because of the eight hour difference, that went on here and we were in our bed. And uh, I woke up in the morning and my wife was phoning me and she says, what, what's, what's happened to you and Roy? And I says, what? Nothing. And these things happen. Mm. And I says, what, what happened? And she says, oh, Roy's coming home and all that. And you're, you're, you've been involved in it. And I says, so I went downstairs and I was a little bit late down for breakfast. And the only two people that was in the room when we went down was Roy and Alan Kelly. The two guys were supposed to be we fighting, fighting and, and I was supposed we to fight. And we had breakfast together. And I says, Roy, what about what stuff going on at home in the media? He says, oh, forget them. Forget the media. <laughs> he says, and then about another day later, he wanted to go home again, you know. So he always wanted to go home. But I got to blame him. I got to blame him. That's the story. Is he a scary guy? Is he a scary guy? Is he all right? No, I used to wind him up and myself and Jerry Payton and saying there was a big statue down in Cork that the girls used to come up and rub themselves on, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) That that kept him happy. Uh Uh, But you proud of the team overcome that day really well, didn't they? They did that. Uh They played very well. He played very well, and I think they, they, they got something from that actually. And you know, obviously, Roy left, and Mick and him had this, this argument, and Roy disappeared. So, but I think the players just reacted in, in a positive way and nearly nearly emulated what we did in the, in, in the quarterfinals of the, the, the World Cup. Yeah. Uh, nearly got there, got beat against, uh, against Spain, uh, and uh, the one before that, the last 16, you know, so mm. it was incredible. Um, uh, in fact, I got an. Text from Shea Given today, I think they're playing his goalkeeper coach at Derby, asking me for some advice on penalties. <laughs> yeah. And I says, I wish I had to give that advice to him when they were playing against Spain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, just lastly, uh, on uh, winning the Scottish Cup in 1985, how delighted were you for Tommy and obviously yeah. yourselves, all yeah. the work you'd put in it? There was a lot of pressure that day. When you talk about pressure, that was a pressure day because Tommy hadn't won anything. And it was more for him than anything else. 
Um, you know, we've had our career as players. I was coming to the end, of course, it was my last game. And um, to win, win a cup medal in your last game, I think Big Billy had that in 75, I had 95 mm. to walk away with it. But it was more for Tommy, absolutely. Uh, the motion was around make sure of, and, and Billy Stark, of course, but Tommy in particular. Who did you like for that team as a coach wise players? Who did you like? Well, we had we had Van Hoydonk was coming, you know, and he was he was a tremendous player. Um, uh, I'm not sure if I think it was the following year to Canio and Tom and him came yeah, in. But, like but, after that, uh, uh, and maybe Tom was in at the same time too. But um, yeah, we listen. We had a, we had a, we had a good good enough team. It was against Airdrie. It, we won that we were expected to to win, uh, but we didn't really play that well on the day. But it was just getting that goal that Van Hoydonk got up and headed. Yeah. And and that and uh, the game didn't matter. How we played didn't really matter. Just winning it mm. on that day and it didn't help. Tommy didn't keep him in the job. And then back to Tommy's karaoke. Oh, we had we we had a bit of a night that night. All right, absolutely. Really. And uh, just finally, how do you look back on your Celtic career? I would pride. You know, uh, I don't think there'd be many people who play seventeen years uh, at a club. Um, it was my full career there. Uh, lots of great people uh, throughout it. Great players I played with. Managers, um, even all of them, even even the ones that maybe at the end didn't I didn't really get on with, or even the Lou McCarries, I still took something from it. And when when you look back and you get older, um, you look at championships and cups and stuff that you won. It's only now that you really appreciate them. You know, and we talk about '85, the appreciation of winning winning your last one because it's the last one. You can't win anymore. Um, you look back and then you say probably that was the most important one. Right, thanks very much, Pat. Okay, sir. Top line. Good to see you. Cheers. Cheers. Enjoy a big deal as you enjoy breakfast with Great Value Car Cover from Super Value Insurance. Get a great quote and search Super Value Insurance now. This car insurance is underwritten by AXA Insurance DAC. Super Value Financial Services DAC trading as Super Value Insurance is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Vodafone is now Ireland's largest fibre broadband provider. We've got fibre broadband here in Dublin. Here in Clifton. And now, here. We could soon be powering this podcast you're about to listen to. So you can wonder on your computer from the comfort of your own sofa. Curiosity is everywhere on Vodafone, Ireland's largest fibre broadband provider. From €30 Euro per month, search Vodafone Gigabit Broadband. Terms apply. Subject to availability and selected areas. Average speeds based on Comrade Market Share Data Q1 2020. New customers only. Subject to 12-month contract. Offer ends 22nd of November 2020. See Vodafone.ie forward slash fixed terms for full terms. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.